Our gospel lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. It comes from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thanks so much for coming up. I have a question for you today. How do you know if you can trust someone? How do you know? Well, I suppose it's whether or not they tell you the truth, whether or not they keep their promises. If someone promises you, maybe your mom or dad, they say, I promise we will go outside and play after lunch. But then you don't go outside and play after lunch. What's going to happen the next time that they say, I promise we're going to go outside and play after lunch? You might not believe them, right? If someone makes you a promise, but then they don't keep their promise, you're probably going to stop trusting that person. In our Old Testament lesson, we heard about a a man that I think you've all heard of before. His name is Abram. Later, his name was changed to Abraham. And God asked him to do something kind of hard. Listen again to what God asked him to do. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He told Abram to leave everything he had, his parents' house, all of his family and friends, and to go to a faraway land. Well, how would Abram know if he could trust God? Only if he believed that God keeps his promises. 
You see, Abraham knew that he had a God who doesn't just make promises, but, but keeps them. He made a promise to Adam and Eve when they fell into sin that he would send a Savior through one of Adam and Eve's descendants. And then when the world became very, very sinful and God sent a flood, he kept his promise to Adam and Eve by preserving some of their descendants on an ark. God kept his promise, and Abraham knew, I have a God who keeps his promises. And he made all these promises to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you this land that you're going to live in, and all nations on earth will be blessed through you. You see, the the story of Abraham is not here so that you and I could say, we're going to go home and be like Abraham. The story of Abraham is here so that we could see that we have a God who doesn't just make promises, he keeps them. Every single promise he made to Abraham, he kept. He gave Abraham's descendants the land of Israel. He gave a savior to the world. His name is Jesus. He's a descendant of Abraham, and that's why God said that all nations on earth would be blessed through Abraham and his family because God sent a savior for all people through Abraham's descendants. Now God makes promises to you and to me. He says, in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. He says, death is not the end. He says, Jesus is going to raise all the dead and bring you and me, those of us who believe in Jesus, to be with him forever in heaven. Those are promises of God. Can you trust him? Only if he keeps his promises. And today we learn that we have a God who always keeps his promises. We have a God that we can trust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have made so many promises on the pages of your word, and you have kept every single one of them. Now to us, these promises remain. We will be with you forever in heaven when we die because of what Jesus has done for you. And Jesus is coming back to bring us to be with him. Help us to learn to trust you more and more each and every day as we see that you are a God who does not just make promises, but a God who keeps them every single time. In the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior from sin, death, and hell, we pray. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Do you love the world? You do, don't you? There's all sorts of things you love about this world. There's all sorts of places that you love in this world. All sorts of people that you love in this world. For many of you, I'm guessing you love your home. That's why you live there. Maybe there, there's that room that has the windows in just the right places so that the light comes in in just the right way as you're enjoying your just right made cup of tea or a cup of coffee on that perfectly positioned piece of furniture. It's a place that you could sit in the morning and it starts your day off right. A place where you can breathe. You love that little place. For others in here, it's, it's not the primary residence that you love. You, you, you have a hard time detaching yourself from uh, 
work when you're in your primary residence, but there's that secondary place that you get to go to. And when you're there, then you can finally disconnect. Then you could finally get the rest that you so desperately need. You, you love that place that you can go and take a break. For others in here, it's something like a car. Many of you drove here today in cars that are so much quieter than the one you drove 30 years ago, so much smoother, so much more safe. It's like a little sanctuary. Every time you get into it, you love this car. It's kind of a weird thing to feel so safe inside of a car as our frail flesh flies down the road at 70 plus miles an hour, isn't it? But a blessing nonetheless. And then there's the people. There's the people that you love. The people who live under your roof. The people who used to live under your roof, but you're still close with. That sister, that brother, who's always there for you through the hardest times, through the loss of a loved one, mom or dad, son or daughter, that token friend that you don't see all that often, but whatever you do, it's right where you left off. That's where you pick up. If you're honest, there's all sorts of people and places and things in this world that you love, and if you're truly honest, you really do love them just the way they are. And then there's all those things you don't love, all those places you don't love, and all those people you don't love. There's that house that you once lived in and you're glad you don't live there anymore. There's that vacation you once took that got the one-star review because the place is not worth ever returning to again. There's that car that is now crushed into a cube and for good reason. And then there's those people. You know the ones I'm talking about? The ones you don't like hearing about on TV, the, the ones that you would dread to be in the same room with. Heaven forbid you'd ever have to have a conversation with them. There's all sorts of things and places and all sorts of people in this world that you don't love. How is it that God can love the world? Even when we love the world in a godly way and we love things that God has placed into our lives and places that God has given to us and people that God has given to us, even when we as Christians in a godly way are thankful for the people, the places, the things that God has placed into our life, even then they, they break, they rust, they die. Nothing is as God designed it to be. No one lives forever. But we wish the places lasted. We wish the people never died. We long for eternal things. How is it that God can love the things that are broken, the places that rust and are destroyed, the people who sin and die? How can God, a holy God, a righteous God, the eternal God, how can he love this world? How can he love all the people in it? Shouldn't he just love those who deserve his love? 
How can he love those people? And yet he does. God loved the world in such a way as this that he gave his one and only son. If you had ten sons, you would not give one of them for your neighbor. And yet God gave his one and only son for this world. For you. For me. Even for them. This Jewish teacher, this Jewish ruler, this man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he calls him rabbi, a respectful term. (laughs) Rabbi. He says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. The question is, what kind of teacher? See, the kind of teacher who who would come and teach people who have limited time how to best appreciate all that they have to make the most of their limited time. Is that the kind of teacher that he is? The kind of teacher who comes and, and shows you You thought this was a healthy way to take care of your body. Turns out it's not. Here's how you do it correctly. Follow these steps and the weight will fall off. Do these things and whatever limited time you have will be extended. The kind of teacher who shows you how to organize your home so that when you are there, you can actually appreciate it. The kind of teacher who shows you how to get right up here, how to get rid of the clutter, how to be present in the moment, and how to finally find some semblance of peace. What kind of teacher is he? What kind of truth is he spouting? Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, or maybe better, born from above. How many? No one. You can't escape that, can you? (laughs) Not some, not the really good ones, not those guys, no one. They can't even see. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. Okay? What other truths is this teacher bringing? Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Not only can you not see it if you're not born from above, you can't enter into God's kingdom unless you're born of water and the Spirit. Nicodemus and all the Jews were very familiar with ceremonial washings, and we have this thing called baptism, and it's this word that has become directly tied to us to a church custom. It is this thing that happens in churches, one of the two sacraments, baptism and Lord's Supper. But for Nicodemus, this idea of baptism was a very different thing in the sense that it it means a washing. The word baptizo in in Greek means to wash, to wash with water. There is this very clear understanding that washing is necessary. It's all throughout the Old Testament. You want to be right with God, you need to be washed. 
You're filthy. You need to be clean. Unless God cleanses you with water and the word, unless you're born of the spirit of God, not only will you not see God's kingdom for what it is, you definitely will not enter into it. But when you are born from above, when you are born of God, when you are born of water and the spirit, then you will not only see the kingdom of God for what it is, you will most certainly enter into it. These are promises of God. Note the word will. How can this be? That's Nicodemus' question. How can this be? And Jesus' answer would have stunned him. You are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things? This has been the message throughout the ages. Ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin, they could not be with God. And so God needed to provide a solution. He would send one of Eve's descendants to crush the head of the serpent. To Abraham, God said, I promise through one of your descendants, one of your offspring, every nation on earth will be blessed. God said, I promise. To one of Abraham's descendants, a man by the name of Judah, God said, the scepter will not depart from your line. An eternal king will come from your descendants, Judah. And then came this king, not an eternal one. His name was David. Remember him? God said, David, one of your descendants will sit on your throne forever. The king of kings and lord of lords, the savior of the whole world. For God loved the world in such a way as this, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How remarkable is that? The thing you crave the most, eternity. That which deep down you want more than anything. A house that never breaks. A car that can't be crunched. A body that can never die. And relationships with people who can never die. That's what you want, isn't it? It's what you crave. And it's what your God gives to you through the gift of his son. No one can see, no one can enter. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. No one can enter into the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. But by the grace of God, through faith in his son, Jesus, you can see, you do see, and you will enter in. These are God's promises to you, and they're true right now. No one can see, no one can enter in, but equally as inclusive, whoever believes in Jesus will. Will see. Will enter in. Will be saved. Will live forever. 
Words that you no doubt have heard before, but such powerful words. Rid yourselves of all other sources of hope. Get rid of any other source of peace. This is the one. This is the one to which we cling. This is the one that helps us see everything differently. And don't make any mistake about it. When you have been born from above and you see the kingdom of God, you see all the other good stuff that God has given you here for what it is. Be thankful for that room in your home. It is a gift from God, but it is not the gift from God. And be thankful for the second place. That is a gift from God, but it is not the gift from God. And be thankful for the car which brought you safely here, and I pray it brings you safely home. It is a gift from God, but it is not the gift from God. And be thankful for the people. Be thankful for the people that you love, the people that God has placed into your life. They are all gifts from God, but they are not the gift from God. Jesus is the gift. God loved the world. The world! in such a way as this, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen.